how good it is to have the glory of the Lord before us this morning. We've been singing glory to thee. We sang a verse earlier that says, now he's exalted high and from yon glorious throne, he hears his people cry and claims them as his own. He bears them all upon his breast. In him, we are completely blessed. We know the Lord hears his people's cry. And this morning, uh, I was thinking a little of our uh, brother and sister who recently lost their young daughter, uh, Kimberly Gordon, who passed away into the Lord's presence. And it reminded me of how much we need the truth of God to sink down from our head into our heart during times like these. We, in our human reasoning, might be left just shaking our head, wondering how could such things be, such sorrow and such trial and such difficulty. But in times like these, we need to know the Lord's character. We need to know his goodness so that we can fall back on him, trusting him to sustain his own, trusting him to provide comfort, uh, impossible comfort, uh, when nothing else will help. And I thought we could just together look at Romans 8 and to see some thoughts there that might be able to bring comfort to our own hearts and assurance of God's presence, even in the midst of dark times. So this is, uh, I'd like to read a fairly large portion of Romans 8 and focus in on the glory, the glory of the saints of God, the groanings of the saints of God, goodness for the saints of God, and the gracious gift to the saints of God. These truths, you know, when we go through trial, it's not a good time to learn these truths. We need to learn them first and then fall back on them as we enter into dark times. And so may we take the time to learn of the Lord during good times. And then when trials come, we have those truths to fall back on. It's very important so that we don't lose heart. So I'll just read Romans 8, starting in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, 
but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, for the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, the words speak for themselves, but just four thoughts as we think about and continue to pray for those who are hurting, for those who are struggling. As we turn our eyes upon Jesus, as we look full in his wonderful face, the things of earth grow dim in the light of his glory and grace. They grow dim not because they're not real, not because they're not important, but because as we look at Christ, all else begins to fall into place. And so what we see in Romans 8 is the coming glory of the children of God. You know, we think of loved ones who have passed into the presence of God. They are experiencing now 
the glorification that they were created for as children of God. One day, we too will experience that glory. Paul writes as if it's already happened. He says, those whom he justified, he also glorified. And he says in another place, we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ. It's as if it's as good as done. But now we think of young Kimmy Gordon. She is experiencing that glory. And Paul, the great sufferer, was able to say in verse 18, I am convinced that the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. And that's an amazing thought because there's a lot of suffering in this world. But if you could pile up all the suffering from the beginning of the world until the end and put it on one side of a scale, it would be like a feather compared to the weight of glory that we'll experience in the presence of God. It's not even worth comparing. And this thought, it might seem cliched, and some people might say, oh, that's just pie in the sky, sweet by and by. But the truth is, the glory of God, to be in his presence, will far outweigh any suffering we endure in this life. But Paul doesn't ignore the groaning that we undergo as people in this world. It's not an accident. It's not just us. The whole creation is groaning. The whole earth has been thrown into corruption because of sin. We see it in our own bodies. These bodies, they are working right one minute, and then the next minute, we're going into surgery. We're going into the doctor. We're having to take some kind of medicine. We're groaning, maybe literally, groaning in pain, groaning in uh, the different types of fatigue and difficulties we face. And it's not just in old age. Young people experience pain and sorrow in the body. But it's even the physical pain I'm sure that most of us would testify is nothing compared to the emotional sorrows that we face in this life. And losing a child, uh, having someone taken from us at an untimely uh, moment is a deep, deep sorrow. And our spirits groan. It's as if we're saying, Lord, why is this happening? Why is your creation not working the way it should? And even though we don't always know the why, we can know that God's Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep to even put into words. We think we know groaning as human beings, but somehow, God groans deeper, more knowingly than even a sorrowing parent. Isn't that amazing to think? He entered into our groaning so that we wouldn't have to be alone. 
in our sufferings. This is the depth of the love of God. God knows the end from the beginning. He knows the happy end. But he is no Job's friend. He is not the type of person to say, oh, don't worry about it. Instead, he comes into this world and experiences the sorrows and suffering of human life so that he can be that sympathetic high priest able to enter into whatever you're going through this morning. And so we see the groanings of the people of God, but it doesn't stop there because then comes that great promise, one that we cling to oftentimes that says we know that God is working these things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And that goodness, we might not be able to see it right away. We may see only a glimpse of it in this life, but we can trust that God is himself good and that he is working our good in whatever circumstances we face. But everything comes to a climax in this chapter in the concluding few verses, as we see the gracious gift of the Son of God. And Paul is able to say, he who didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Because truly to be given the presence of God, he is the gift. The fact that he is with us, there can be no greater gift. And that's why nothing can separate us from the love of God, even death. Death becomes a mere, our servant, ushering us into the presence of God. This thing that is feared more than anything else in this world, the great specter of death, because of the work of Jesus, has become the servant of the believer. Paul is able to say, to be absent from the body is merely to be in the presence of the Lord, which is far better. And so the gracious gift of the Lord's presence can sustain us even when we're going through um, unspeakable sorrow. So just these few thoughts, and I encourage everyone to spend some time meditating on Romans chapter 8. These truths are important for the believer. They are our food, our spiritual food and drink that can take us through the wilderness as we go through times of famine, times of drought. So that those famines, that famine, that persecution, that distress that we face, it doesn't separate us from the love of God in Christ. In fact, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So may he be glorified as we think on him. Amen. 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 Amen.